Good morning, gorgeous. Happy New Year. Happy 2023. This is your host, Dr. Daff, and you are listening to The Dr. Daff Show, formerly known as A Feminine Impression. I just want to start by saying Happy New Year, my loves, and thank you so much for just riding through this transition with me, with incorporating interviews on my channel. I really hope that you're enjoying the interviews. I'm trying to bring women from all walks of life that are able to speak to the things that we deal with as women, women that have audiences that you can follow and you can grow with, and just also women that maybe you haven't heard of before. I think it's nice for us women to get together, have girl time, have girl chats, and talk about things that matter to us. And it's just a really nice way of having sisterhood which is really important when it comes to femininity. And my podcast is really encompassing multiple things, right? Femininity was something that I definitely started with, will continue with, and will intertwine with everything that I discuss. But it's also important for you to know yourself, know your identity, become strong and learn about who you are and why you are here as well as learning about God, because God is a way that you're able to find your identity. He's a way that you're able to find your femininity. He's a way that you're able to find your purpose. So I also want to have a strong focus on God. And I just want to let you know that I will continue to do podcasts where it's just me talking. I know some of you like that style more, But I also know that it's nice to hear me have a conversation with someone else. So I want to make sure that we have variety. And I'm really excited this year to start a brand new series. And I'm calling it An Elegant Year. 2023 is going to be your year of elegance and wisdom. Those will be my two primary focal points, talking about ways that you can incorporate elegance and wisdom into your life. So we will be doing a book club. Actually, we'll be doing multiple. So the first book we're going to do is going to be a faith-based book because I've gotten so many requests about doing more spiritual content. I know that so many of you loved the Esther anointing and that book was very powerful and life-changing. So I'm definitely going to be doing one spiritual book in the middle of the year. I'll be doing a book on femininity. And then at the end of the year, I'll be doing a book on marriage. So you can always vote on which book you want me to cover. I did a poll on my Instagram, which is why I always say follow me on Instagram so that way you can just get updated and you can be involved with these decisions. But I did a poll on which book to start with and we are starting with The Purpose and Power of Women by Dr. Miles Monroe. And I'll just be taking it one chapter a week and we're going to talk about a woman's identity and what it means to be a woman, what God's purpose was for us women and Dr. Miles Monroe is my spiritual father. He was, is my mentor, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know, however you want to look at it. He passed away a few years ago. However, his work still remains and God still works through his work in so many ways. Through him is how I got saved. And so I will always revere him and his body of work. 
So we're starting off with that book, and today we will be discussing chapter one, but in each episode, especially for the first 12 weeks, I always want to start off with something to just encourage you with elegance. I did a few podcasts discussing elegance and just ways that you can incorporate elegance into your lifestyle, but I want to give you one sort of opportunity every week to incorporate elegance into your week. And again, it's elegance and wisdom and just growth. So this week, since it's the beginning of the year, I believe it would be beneficial and beautiful for you to write yourself a letter. Write yourself a letter to read on New Year's Day next year. God willing, in 2024, on the first day of the year, you will open up this letter and it'll read whatever it is that you want to tell yourself. So this letter can be a letter just talking about how you're feeling, where you are, what you want. It can be a letter just encouraging yourself, giving yourself affirmations about who you are, about the person you're going to be by 2024. Whatever it is, it's a letter for you to write, seal, and put it somewhere where you can read it next year on New Year's Day. As a society, we don't spend enough time in solitude and we don't spend enough time with ourselves just thinking and writing. I know some of you don't really like journaling because maybe the time it takes or maybe you're afraid someone's going to read it. And journaling can be a little bit tedious at times because you feel like you have to have like that mental space to sit down and take out your pen and jot it down. But some people tend to journal like video journal where you can record yourself. And you can do that too if you like. Instead of writing it down, you can just do a little video on your phone to yourself for next year. But there is something very therapeutic about writing where you are taking that information from your mind to paper and through journaling or through writing, there's a physiological thing that happens where you're releasing because journaling is spiritual. And there's something about your spirit that opens up when you start thinking and your hand starts moving. (laughs) So I would encourage you to write it, but if for some reason you absolutely can't, then go ahead and do like a video or an audio excerpt to yourself that's just personal and save it for New Year's Day and save it for New Year's Day 2024. Now, with that being said, I want you to go ahead and sit back and relax and get something warm and cozy to drink, cozy up. We're going to talk today about womanhood. Our focus today is going to be a woman's place. Know your place, girl. Know your place, woman. Have you ever heard someone say that? Isn't it just so like demeaning? Know your place, woman. It's like, excuse me. But Unfortunately, that is how some men really think. They really see women in that way where they feel like we need to know our place. So it's going to be really interesting to discuss what is our place as a woman? What are we here for? What are we supposed to be? What are we supposed to do? What is our function? And again, we are taking excerpts from the book, Understanding the Purpose and Power of Women. God's Design for Female Identity by the best-selling author, Dr. Miles Monroe. So let's go ahead and talk about this. I've had a lot of women tell me as I've done femininity content that they 
are upset that they were born a woman, that they dislike the fact that in society, women are looked at in a certain way. And because of that, the femininity content just makes them feel very unsettled because they feel like they're not living up to something that men created for them to be, men here on earth created them to be. And I found that to be quite fascinating, especially for those women who felt like they disliked being a woman. Because growing up, I've always loved being a woman. I thought being a girl was so much better than being a boy. Like, I always thought, well, when you're a girl, you have all these things. You have purses and makeup and perfume and lipstick and this and that. And it's like the list just never stops of all the trinkets and all the things that we get to play with and enjoy during our time here on Earth. So for someone to say they didn't like it and they wished they weren't a woman, that idea always confused me because I didn't understand what happened for them to have that mindset. And I always am interested when I ever hear anyone feeling like they don't feel like they like the gender that God assigned to them, the sex that God assigned to them. It's very troubling. And that really is the enemy's work, right? That self-dislike, that hatred, that confusion, that comes from the enemy. That comes from the enemy trying to distort God's image because God created male and female. That was God's design. So to confuse you about that is confusing the very core of God's creation. And that will rock your entire life when you don't even like the very core of who you are. And so it is important for us to talk about this because for so many of us women, this is how we decide how we're going to live our lives based on our gender, based on our sex, based on our identity that's attached to this concept. In the book, it reads, one of the most controversial issues in our modern times, a topic that has been debated with much discussion and dissension, is the role, position, and rights of the woman. Historically, in nearly every nation and culture, women have been regarded as inferior to men, holding a secondary place in the world. The following are traditional perceptions of women that still persist today. Women are considered inferior to men, second-class citizens, objects for sensual gratification alone, weak, incapable of real strength, lacking in intelligence, and therefore having nothing to contribute to society. The personal property of men, the equivalent of cattle, personal servants whose only purpose is to meet the needs of their masters, domestic slaves to be used as desired, objects to be passed around until finished with and then discarded, subhuman, deserving of abuse. Depending on where you live in the world, your past experiences and whether or not you are a woman or a man, the items on this list might shock you. They might offend you, be discounted by you, or serve as a painful reminder of what you are currently enduring. And for so many of us who live in the United States, it seems like some of these things may not be issues anymore, but I can tell you that they are. And it's not until you get into the company of men who are with themselves, like boys talking, like locker room talk, or maybe if you have brothers or cousins and you hear them talking amongst one another, 
that you really get to hear like the real thoughts, the real way that many men view women. And sometimes it doesn't come out until there's something that happens. And then it's like, okay, this is how you really feel about women. And it's very, it's very sad. I know personally, I dealt with it because my family is from Ghana, West Africa. So I'm a first generation American. My mother grew up here. So she came here when she was like 12. So she definitely got like assimilated to this culture and and became more Americanized more so than my father who came when he was like 20. And he is one of those like very masculine, over the top African dads who still very much holds the concept of what a woman's place is and how a woman should be. And so he projected a lot of that stuff onto us as children, my sister and I, to the point where I remember hanging out with him <laughs> when we were kids. He would come pick us up because my parents were divorced and we would be at a restaurant eating and he would be yelling at me and saying, you're chewing on the wrong side. Women are supposed to chew on the left side. You know, and like stuff like that, where it was like, what are you talking about? Where are you getting this from? Like, what? First of all, I'm I'm seven, not even a woman yet. And it's like, I can't even chew on both sides of my mouth. It was, to me, it just seemed quite primitive. But this was his perception. Women were in this place of being... I don't want to use the word subhuman because I don't feel like that's how he felt, but I do feel like we were definitely second-class citizens in comparison to men based on culture, based on beliefs that have been passed down and was still trying to carry that out through me. And it just felt wrong. It didn't feel, it didn't feel right. Even if you don't know the ins and outs of something, sometimes you can just tell how something feels. Like, this doesn't feel right. Like, something about this just feels off. <laughs> Are you making this up? <laughs> you know? And for some women, it's it's a lot worse. It's It's very serious. Like, if I was living with him, I would have probably been feeling like I was being tortured because I know the things would just be from A to Z as to what I couldn't do, what I couldn't wear. And just being seen as something less than a man, right? And for so many women, they have to endure this on a daily basis, whether it's from their husbands, from their father, or just from their job. You know, there are certain fields that are male dominated. And in those fields, you hear what men say about women. You hear how they feel about women. And you sometimes feel like that's going to stop you from moving up or it's going to stop you from being seen or it's going to make you an object, you know, and it could even bring fear. You might start feeling like you're afraid to do certain things that men are dominating because of what they're going to do to you, depending on your experiences. So many of us have experienced lots of different things. And through those experiences is how we see the world and how we see ourselves when I was a teenager, I saw myself as an object of desire because I was so caught up in rap culture. I was very fascinated by rap music as a kid. Like I loved rapping. I loved hip hop. I loved R&B and just the entertainment culture. 
was my thing. And my sister and I would literally make music videos. Like we weren't just watching music videos, we were creating them. We were even taking clips of music videos and recreating new music videos based on those clips. Like we loved it, but we also felt like we were living our lives in a music video. So in hip hop culture, especially now, but I mean, at that time it was just sort of just starting up and the women were always seen as objects always women were just laying there the guy would come home and they're just laying on the couch looking a certain way you know looking a lollipop and there were even some music videos i remember one music video i want to say it was 50 cent where the women had dog collars around their necks and he was pulling their collar and they were just walking behind him looking sexy and that was like yeah like these are this is the status like this is a prize this is i don't even know how to how to articulate that because it's it's so backwards but it's like the men were saying that these women were my property but at the same time you should be happy to be my property like this is an elevated position for you so my sister and i grew up thinking that we were living our lives in a music video. We would act like we're living in a music video. We would go to guys' houses and just be laying up on their couch, like looking super sexy. And like, I mean, it was, it was ridiculous, but that's how we saw ourselves because we thought that women were supposed to be objects of desire. And it was, it was awful, but your society or your upbringing or what you deem as the truth is what's going to shape how you behave as a woman. And so with that, Dr. Miles Monroe talks about this being a universal problem for thousands of years in every culture. Women have been devalued and they have been mistreated in some way because trust me, because we were sitting up there in those guys' houses dressed all like ridiculously sexy, ditching school to go to guys' houses, laying up on their couches, just posing and being furniture for their enjoyment because we thought that that's that's sexy, that's cute. It got us into a lot of problems and we were being disrespected left and right because they thought they were in a music video too, shoot. I mean, if we're coming there looking like that, they're like, okay, well, I guess this is what it is, right? And he says, one of the reasons the plight of the woman has been such a difficult issue to remedy is that it's not easy to change a man's mind about a woman's place in the world. This internalized devaluing of women is the reason why women generally continue to be discounted and exploited in almost every society in the world, regardless of certain social and political advances. And this is a spirit of male dominance. It's this attitude of stay in your place. And I like that he says it's a spirit because that's what it is. It's a spirit that pervades people's minds, pervades societies. And it also impacts the social and political advances of women because it seems like women make stride in certain areas, but the spirit always comes through because at the end of the day, that male dominant spirit still says, sure, we'll give you equal rights. Sure, we'll give you this, we'll give you that, but we still see you as less than. Women are still gonna make less. Women are still not gonna get the same promotions and opportunities because deep, 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 deep down, 
this is still how we see you as a woman. We still see you as incapable. We still see you as emotional or whatever it is. We still see you like that. So when it comes down to the wire, our own thoughts and our own prejudices and our own evaluations come to the surface. And that's where men usually show us who they really are. And not all men, but that's where typically when we see any kind of oppression, that's where it shows up when it comes down to the wire. Now, there's also another spirit that's risen up, especially as of late, that makes it seem like there's no difference between men and women. So, of course, men and women are equal by God's design, but there are differences between men and women. It's not that we are exactly the same, and those differences should be celebrated and recognized first and foremost. When we had the two world wars in America, the Great Depression, and all the things that came out of that, Part of it was that women had to show their new capabilities. Women had to take on things that men were doing. And that brought to the forefront the idea that, of course, you know, women are capable of doing the things that men are doing. It doesn't necessarily mean that we are the same because we are not the same. But we were now being recognized for the fact that we could do more than we were being, quote unquote, allowed to do. But that spirit rose up, that spirit that says that there's no difference between a man and a woman, and there is a difference. But with this in the book, Dr. Monroe talks about rights and how women fought for their rights to be seen as equal because there was this now issue where it's like, okay, the men are back from the war and all their jobs are now being taken by women. So women don't want to go back home now. Women want to work these jobs and have their independence. So now women have to fight for their rights to do the things that they're capable of doing. However, he says in the book that when you do that as a woman, when any person really feels that they have to fight for their rights, you're admitting to the person or group that they have ownership over it. And he says that he decided years ago as a teenager that nobody had the liberty to control his rights because his rights were God-given and inherent. And this is a powerful issue in, in race relations and in other relations where we are fighting for our rights as people because when we do that, we are saying to the oppressor that we want them to give us something. And that's the hardest part about this is that idea where we're feeling like we have to ask for something from someone who's holding it over us as if it's not already ours. And as women, it's so important for us to know that we have everything that we want. We have everything that God gave us. It does already belong to us. A lot of what you're doing may be taking it back or demanding it back. But even when you're doing that, you are making it known that they have it and they don't. But this is a mental shift. It's also a spiritual shift that I think by the end of this book, we'll definitely be able to un uncover. 
In the book, Dr. Monroe talks about Joseph in the Bible. And I love this because he talks about the idea of how we as people give other people the power to rule over us. And in essence, no matter what position you're in, even if you are being oppressed, regardless, at the end of the day, God can still give you freedom in oppression. And in the Bible, there are lots of it, lots of examples of it. But one, he points to Joseph. Joseph is a great example of a person who displayed his rights in ways in which he thought and lived. His story is told in the book of Genesis. And if I were you, if you have not read this book, Genesis is one of the most beautiful books in the Bible because there are so many stories in Genesis. It's the first book of the Bible, but it's filled with stories. And these stories are so powerful because they're not just stories of people. They're stories about you. They're stories about me. They're stories that give you insight to how to deal with problems that come up in your life. Now, the story of Joseph is one where he went through a lot of different situations in life because he was given a dream by God as a child. And the dream God was telling him that he was going to be a ruler. He was going to rule over his brothers. And he was so excited that he went and told his brothers. And not only that, but he was already the dad's favorite, but then went and told something that God never said to tell. And his brothers ended up wanting to kill him over it wanting to get rid of him. It's like, okay, you're going to rule over us. I think not. We're going to get rid of you. How about that? And we'll see what you're going to do. Right. And I mean, this is totally off tangent, but it's also so important. My love that when God tells you something, you don't have to go tell other people. When God says to you, darling, one day you're going to own a mansion in Beverly Hills. You don't have to go tell people that God told you that you're going to have this. You just know you're going to have this. If God says to you, Angelica, you're going to be the first female president. You don't have to go tell your family and everyone that you know that you know in your spirit. God told you you're going to be the first female president. You don't have to. It can be anything. It can be having a baby. It can be a certain job. It can be literally anything. Some things are really between you and God, and they don't have to go any further until the time is right. And you also have to have discernment in terms of who you share news with. Doesn't mean you have to keep everything to yourself, but some things really should be shared with only certain people who are truly trustworthy. And in your spirit, you know that this person is someone who's going to help pray for you and lead you and guide you and support you. Not just to brag, not just out of excitement. And that's what Joseph did. He was excited. And he went and told his brothers and he got in a lot of issues over it. And so he was sold into slavery by his brothers. But, you know, God being God allowed Joseph to not just be any slave, because look, when God is with you, it doesn't matter what happens to you. God decides how you're going to live. So even though he was a slave, he was a slave in a palace. He wasn't just a slave, you know, working the streets. He was a slave living in a palace. So that kind of slave is going to have a different lifestyle than a slave in the slums. So he was a slave and then he got elevated in that. But then another situation happened where someone lied on him, his master's wife lied on him. So he was put out and he was thrown into jail. So 
This is where it starts, where he says, Joseph is a great example of a person who displayed his rights in the way in which he thought and lived. His story is told in the book of Genesis. Joseph was falsely accused and put in jail. Yet he said to himself, I am not a prisoner. Okay, you can be in jail, but you don't have to be a prisoner. And he was soon put in charge of the whole prison. This is found in Genesis 39. It's all about your attitude. The Romans had Jesus bound in chains, but Jesus told Pilate, oh, this is a separate story, by the way. <laughs> he jumps to Jesus when Jesus was being accused and getting ready to be hung on the cross, be crucified. The Romans had Jesus bound in chains, but Jesus told Pilate, in essence, I am not bound. You're the one who's bound. Pilate said, don't you know who I am? Jesus answered, I know who you are. You're a fool. You're being totally manipulated by history and prophecy. You can't kill me. I don't give you the right to have the power to kill me. No man takes my life. I am a free man. And that's in John chapter 19, verses 1 through 16. There are people in jail right now who are spiritually free. And there are people who have never been in jail, who only seem free. Inwardly, they are bound. So when you demand something, you have to be careful because you might be subconsciously implying something. You might be suggesting that you really don't have any rights of your own. I want to ask women, do you really want to go to men and say, I demand equality with you? implying that they have the power to make you equal, that's a dangerous thing to say. If you convince me that I have the power and the right to make you a whole person, then you are in trouble because I could get used to playing games with you, manipulate you. I could use it to get what I want. I could give you some freedoms as I pleased, just enough to keep you in check and withhold the rest. I believe that many people in movements for equality are inadvertently confessing that they have given over their rights to someone else. And I love this because he talks about men's hearts not being changed by legislation and that this is preventing women from living in the fullness of what God created them to be. So let's talk about this. Can the negative ideas about women actually be changed? Are we able to actually change these negative ideas? Because when I do videos and content on femininity, one of the things that people are very concerned about is that femininity is a weakness. And God expresses himself through women and men. Okay, God is both masculine and feminine. And we as women have both masculine and feminine traits. But God expresses his feminine nature Mostly, but women are so afraid, but women are so afraid that men are going to manipulate this side of them, that they're afraid to live in their authenticity, afraid to live in who they really are because of what a man might do. And so a lot of us are so scared of what other people are going to do that we will not be free. We will not live authentically to who God created us to be. And that is going to be ripped away from you today. That's going to be completely wiped off. 
because it's a burden. It's a burden that you're carrying. It's stopping you from being free. In this culture, we have lost what it means to be male and female. And this is a deeper issue that he may touch on in other chapters, so I don't want to jump ahead, but this culture has really tried to blur the lines between male and female. And it's not just women blurring the lines to gain equality. It's also men blurring the lines, especially the homosexuality agenda, blurring the lines. And it's not just homosexuals and it's not just homosexuals. It's not. It's also just people who are trying to dissolve what it means to be a man and a woman for their own interests, for their own agenda. Like I saw a man the other day change his sexuality, his sexual identity to female to get custody of his children. Very manipulative thing to do. But this was being done and he almost got away with it. And it's just totally ridiculous. <laughs> but that's what was needed because of the rules and wherever he was living. And so it's like these things, he was trying to argue certain things and make a case as to why this was acceptable. And it was wrong. And it's because we as a culture, as a society, haven't quite identified the truth. And without that, we're liable to make things up. And when you hear enough of made up junk, you start believing it. Sometimes you start, oh, that makes sense. Well, actually that's true. Oh, okay. Well, I, okay. I can see that. And then it's like, it becomes your truth. My truth. This is my truth. There is no my truth. There only is the truth. And the truth can only come from the one who created you. You cannot make up what you think things should be. The only one that can tell you about yourself is the one who created you. So this is a big issue. The male and the woman identity and the agenda of Satan trying to mess up and blur and distort and completely disassemble men and women so that men can say they're women, women can say they're men, and you can say what you feel like you are today. You can change it tomorrow. And all of the respect and all of the attributes and all of the beauty that's tied within each thing is now being perverted. And that's the society we're living in today. So as people who want to know who we really are, as people who love God and want to live according to God's word and his plan for us, this is actually a very serious, serious issue. And I think that's why God really wanted me to focus on this book, because these are very complicated issues, but they need to be discussed. They need to be discussed. So he says, can negative ideas about women be changed? Women, as well as men, need to understand the inherent nature of the woman because most women have developed their identity from men and they do not see themselves as God does. Women have essentially become the products of the societies and traditions into which they were born and bred. As a woman, you might not like who you are, 
Yet your self-concept probably came from the environment in which you were raised. And that's when I talked about me being raised in an environment where I was told to do this and do that and all these ridiculous things that shaped my identity growing up to think that I was an object to be desired, that I was less than a man in certain ways because of my culture or because of my looks or because of my complexion. Right, um, or because of my ethnicity, being a black woman, whatever it is, these things can shape your identity. And so many of us women have received our identity from a man's perspective versus from God's perspective. Because men and women are equal. That's how God created us. But even though we are equal, we are different. And that's the thing to really just take home. We are still different. In many spheres of life, we don't consider differences to be weaknesses, but rather mutual strengths. In music, who's more important to a full symphony orchestra? A violin player or an obi player? Both work together in harmony. In sports, who's more important to the melody relay? The swimmer who swims a breaststroke or the swimmer who swims the backstroke. Both have to be strong swimmers in their particular specialty for a medley race cannot be swung with only one type of swimmer. The answer to the historical devaluing of women does not lie in declaring that there are no differences between males and females, but in recognizing and affirming the complementary differences. When we don't understand and appreciate our God-given differences, we will inevitably have conflicts. And that is just the reality. It's like, why does one have to be better than the other? When all things work together to create that beautiful music. So is it because of what we were and were not allowed to do? I think about family dynamics and growing up, right? Being raised in the family. Let's say you were the only girl, so you had to cook and clean and do chores while your brothers got to just play. I can see that making a woman feel like, dang, it really sucks having to be a girl. I can't have fun. Or maybe you were a girl who was raised with boys and they got to do certain things like certain sports or activities that you found interesting and you wanted to do, but you were not allowed to do that. A lot of times, yes, boys and girls are raised differently because boys and girls have unique experiences in the world where boys have to be taught how to be men, which is different than being taught how to be a woman. But it doesn't necessarily come down to things like life skills and home chores and things of that nature. Those things really should be for both boys and girls. But depending on how you were raised, what cultures you come from, it is very different. And unfortunately, a lot of boys are very babied and very spoiled, while girls, on the other hand, who you would think would be spoiled and babied, tend to have to do a lot of the dirty work. And that can bring resentment and that can make women feel like they are objects and they are tools encounter to their brothers. I see this a lot working at the high school where we have a lot of young girls that come from Mexico. And sadly, 
this causes a lot of depression in our teenagers because coming from Mexico, they're coming to America at 13, 14 years old, and they're a teenager in America, which is very different than being a teenager in Mexico. And they have all of these responsibilities at home that American teenagers don't have. So they're expected to kind of have this dual identity, but they can't. And they're responsible for their little brothers and cooking dinner and taking care of their parents. And a lot of adult tasks are put on them, which make them feel like it really sucks to be a girl. And it causes a lot of stress. So do you find yourself as a woman envying men or envying things that men are allowed to do? Now that you're an adult, do you still find yourself having some envy? And when you think about it, are those things that you're envying, things that society has said or deemed or allowed for it to be okay for men? Or are they things that are just inherent? Like, because they're a man, they're able to do A, B, and C. It has nothing to do with what society says. I think it is important to really think about whether or not you like being a woman, and whether or not you actually like men. I know it sounds kind of like weird to think about, but a lot of women don't actually like men. Yes, they want to have a man, they want to have a husband, but they don't actually like men because they resent men or they dislike the behavior of most men. And the things that men are allowed to do and get away with and behave like, and they're kind of disgusted by men, but they also, you know, want a family and that kind of thing. So they hope that they can find someone that they do like amongst the bunch. And that is a problem, I love. It is a problem if you genuinely don't like men, but it does come from somewhere and it's worth exploring and thinking about where does this come from and why do you feel this way? I know that some women complain about being a woman and having to have a period, right? Or having to go through pregnancy and childbirth and how it's not fair that as a woman, you have these like extra tasks that you have to do. But I think with everything and I'm not, you know, disqualifying how you feel, I get it. Trust me, I get it. (laughs) After just having a baby, I get it. But I do also believe that when it comes to these things, it's about how you view it. It's about how you see it. And even having a period as annoying as it is, as expensive as it is, it's still something to be grateful for because not every woman has a consistent period. Not every woman is able to experience pregnancy and even having a period. I mean, some women like that they have a period because it gives them an excuse, If they're a teenager, it gives them an excuse not to have to like run the mile and do sports. And as an adult, it gives them an excuse not to have sex with their husband. As bad as that sounds, some women do not want to have sex with their husband all the time. And they need an excuse. And being on their period gives them one week off, one week break. And that is a blessing for some people, right? And, you know, it's really just about how you see everything. And I truly believe that if everything, God has thought through every single thing. There is nothing that God has not thought about and thought through. He is perfect. And even if we're complaining about things like having to go through pregnancy and childbirth, and yes, it's a lot, 
But at the end of the day, when Father's Day comes around, men are always complaining that they don't get anything and Father's Day is not really celebrated. And how come no one cares about the father? And it's not like they don't, but the amount of work and love and energy that women as mothers put onto their children, it gets recognized. And there is an unshakable love that these children will have for that mother role. And no one will take that away from you. And that is worth more than anything. You do get rewarded for your sacrifices. Everything is built in. And so you do have to trust God and allow God to reveal his secrets and his purposes to you. Whenever you're feeling like there's something about yourself that you can't change, that you just don't like, and you don't understand why you had to have it, that's the perfect opportunity to talk to your father in heaven and ask him and not asking in a way where you're literally just complaining and just like being angry with him about, but genuinely asking and waiting for an answer because Lord loves it when you seek him. Lord loves it when you have questions and when you're willing to actually wait for him to give you an answer. He'll talk to you. He'll tell you. He'll show you. This is why I made you a girl. This is why I made you a girl in this family. This is why. This is why I made you a mother. This is why I allowed this. And sometimes God will even reveal like super, super secrets, like secrets in the Bible or just secrets that... You never thought about it. It's like, that's what I needed to hear for it to make sense to me, for me to be at peace with it. God gives you peace. He is a perfect peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Peace is what allows you to be able to say, I can move on now. So ask the Lord, whatever you're struggling with, to just help you to find the right people, the right resources, the right books, the right videos, the right situations to get the revelation that you need so that you can be at peace with the things that he has given you to work with throughout this life. Sweetie, it's really important that you understand who you are as a woman and that you also are willing to understand men. Unfortunately, so many of us as women, like we don't spend enough time researching and reading about and thinking about who men are at their core, why men behave the way that they do. And we don't understand ourselves as women. A lot of us have never taken the time to even really look at like the female anatomy, what's in your body why your body does this, why your body reacts that way. It's not usually until we have a problem of some sort that we even look at ourselves and see, oh, wow, we have this. What What does that do? Why do we feel this feeling? If we did, we would learn a lot about ourselves. For example, this is sort of like a tangent, but there may be certain times of the month that you feel as a woman like more aroused sexually and you may not have picked up on the fact that there's like one or two days every month where it just sort of heightens and that's because it's a time where your body's ovulating so you're more prone to wanting to engage in sex and so let's say you're a single woman right? And 
you're in the dating world, you may find yourself on these particular days more prone to reaching out to a guy and maybe inviting him over or more prone to feeling sexually deprived or more prone to just making a bad decision right? Because your body is going through this. But if you've never taken the time to even notice that there's a pattern and then look into that pattern, you may not be able to understand why you're experiencing something every single month or every so often. You may not have even realized it's every month. You might just think every so often I get this like animalistic urge and I don't know why, right? Because we haven't spent enough time thinking about ourselves as women and our experiences and how our bodies connect with our experiences and how our experiences shape who we are as people. So learning about yourself as a woman is necessary, but also learning about men is necessary. Even if you don't know much about men. For example, me, I just had a a baby and it's a boy. So I have a son and I grew up with all women. I was raised by a single mother. I have a sister and then she had a daughter. So everyone in the house was a girl. And just growing up, my mom was really like big on girl power. So I'm thinking, and I actually haven't talked with her enough about this, but just based on what she sort of said here and there, that she really wanted me and my sister to be empowered as women. She wanted us to know that as women, we could do anything. And she wanted us to be very strong girls. So she made sure that we were filled up with girl power, which was fine. It was fine. However, we had no interaction with men unless we were at school or we were like at a family function. Me being someone who is a little bit more social and I was always very intrigued by men. I welcomed experiences with boys and with men as I got older, but my sister was a little bit terrified of men. And I remember like being at church sometimes and if a boy came to talk to us, she would just like shut down because she had no idea how to interact with them. And she was so nervous at her core that she couldn't even have a conversation. And that's really normal. I mean, we had no interactions with boys. So Even for me, even though I was social, I still didn't understand men. And when I would be around other girls who were very savvy with boys, I was always intrigued by them thinking like, how do they get like this? How are they able to just kind of know what to say and know, you know, just what makes them tick, right? And it's because they would always say, oh, well, I have four brothers, right? So they had so much exposure to boys and to men that they're very comfortable with them and they understood how men work. So they knew what to say, what not to say, and just how to get what they wanted or whatever it is that they wanted to learn. They were able to learn it because they had access. So this is something that's important, especially when it comes to relationships and getting married. I mean, how many of us want to get married? Almost all of us, maybe not everyone, but the majority of us want to be married, but we don't even understand men 
or understand ourselves and understand how we work together. So if that's the case, how are we really going to make this marriage work in reality? And in the book, Dr. Monroe says that when we don't understand and appreciate our God-given differences, we will inevitably have conflicts. Most people are unprepared for the marriage relationship. They approach it the same way they buy a car. And he gives us a really cool example of how when you buy a car, you just sort of go to different dealerships, you compare the models, the features, you make your selection, you sign the papers, and then boom, you drive off with your new car. And you're excited, right? Because you got a new car, you're taking pictures. But at the end of the day, you sometimes don't realize that you have this car, but you don't necessarily know how to keep it functioning. And that's like marriage. A lot of us, we look for someone we want. We have this long list. We finally find someone that meets most of the requirements. We get married and now we go home with this new person. And it's like, how in the world do I actually deal with this person? So he talks about, you know, going and getting a new car and how it's important to know the needs of the car. And if you think that when you're thirsty, you drink water. So if your car is thirsty, if your car needs to be refueled, rehydrated, you give the car water. And so you put water in your gas tank and then your car is ruined because your car needs something different than you need to keep it going. In male-female relationships, it's the same thing. And he says, all the time you were swearing at the car because the car is sitting there and it's not working, the car wanted to serve you. Yet it can't because you don't know its needs and you're not attending to them. And when you want a car or anything else to function, you don't give it what you need. You find out what it needs and you give it what it needs and then it will work for you. And that same basic principle applies to men and women. There are certain similarities, obviously, between men and women, but each also has a unique design and a unique need. And we have to come to understand the purpose of all the elements related to the function and the design of men and women. Otherwise, we will be completely frustrated in our relationships. And even if you don't wanna get married, that's okay. It's still important to understand why you are the way you are. And you can discover how the opposite sex is designed and functions because it helps just with any sort of relationship, whether it's you and your boss, you and your coworker, you and your brother, you and a neighbor. At the end of the day, you're going to be interacting with men. And more importantly, you're going to be interacting with yourself and other women, right? You may want friendships or have friendships. That's actually really important as a feminine woman to be open to other women and to be open to love, not just romantically, but in friendships. And so many of us don't know how to be a friend or we're afraid of other women or we're scared of being vulnerable in friendships because of past hurt. But if you know how women operate, not just based on you, but just based as a collective, what's important to most women and what helps women thrive, it'll help you to be able to select friendships the way that you want them to be. So in the book, Dr. Monroe talks about going back to the beginning 
and understanding God's purpose for you, my love, and how the heart and the mind of God was when he made humanity. He wants us to focus on a scripture, Proverbs 19.21. And in every podcast in this series, I am going to give you a scripture to meditate on. And let me just quickly just talk about the importance of this. Meditating on scriptures, my dear, is going to be transformative for your life. This is literally how you turn nothing into something. So many people say that they read their Bibles and they try to manifest the things that the scripture says, right? They, they lean on the promises and it doesn't come to pass or they don't see any changes in their life, even though they read their Bible. And that's because the Bible hasn't really come alive for you. It's just a book. And so many people experience it as just a book. And that's why it's so boring. That's why you don't want to open it. That's why you'd rather, you'd rather not. <laughs> but the reason is because you haven't allowed those scriptures to penetrate into your body, penetrate into your heart. You haven't allowed those scriptures to come into life. And it really is... I feel like I'm being graphic right now, but I'm I'm just being really clear and I just want you to take it for what it is. It really is like a sexual relationship in a way where you are taking that seed, that word and implanting it into your body and you are letting it just marinate. You are letting it grow like a baby and then you are then giving birth birth to that word. And until we allow that word to penetrate us like Mary did and how she took a word, the word that God gave her that she would have a baby and he would be the savior of this world. She took that word and allowed that word to enter her and create life. And that's what we have to do. The scripture is not going to be enough just to recite it. We have to allow that scripture to penetrate into our hearts, into our bodies, allow that scripture to become the way that we think, the way that we live and believe on that scripture. And then it will come to life. It will come to pass. So I want you, every time I give you a scripture to meditate on, take it as a scripture that you're going to be reciting and eating, reciting and just ingesting, inhaling, whatever, whatever word you want to use to say that you are allowing this scripture to enter into your being, allow it to enter you and to truly live there until it really becomes a part of you that you can give birth to. So that is just a, a side, but that my love is how faith works. That's how faith becomes reality. And I can truly stand on this because this is literally how I had my baby literally is through the word of God. I took a scripture. I believed on the scripture. I had faith in the scripture. I took God for his word and I allowed that word to sit into my heart and I never moved from it. I never moved from it until it became so real to me that no one could shake it. And the Lord honored that. He honored it. Okay. Faith is the only way that you can please God. <laughs> and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you diligently meditate on his word, 
you meditate on it, you let it become yours, that word will then come to life because the word of God is alive. It is living. It is not just a book. So I just had to make that very, very clear before I even start giving you scriptures because it is very difficult to hear scriptures or try to memorize scriptures when they're just words. But if you're taking this word, you're adopting this word as your own, it's very different. The experience is different. So he gives us a scripture to meditate on, which is Proverbs 19.21. And scripture says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And he is saying that you may have plans in your heart. You may have things that you want to do with your life. You may have things that you think are for you, but it is the Lord's purpose. Whatever God created and purposed for you, that is what's going to come to pass. So he says that God is a God of purpose and everything that he made in this life, including men and women, has a purpose. We can fight against his purpose, but if we do, we will be unfulfilled and frustrated. He made us the way we are for his purposes and for our benefits. The most important thing we can find out about ourselves and others is a purpose of our existence. When purpose is not known, Abuse is inevitable. And I have a video that talks about this on my YouTube channel about um, how we have things sometimes. And if you don't know what something is made for, then you're going to abuse it. So I, and I'm just going to quickly tell you um, the video I talked about, like getting an iPad in the mail and not knowing it's an iPad. So because you don't know it's an iPad, you don't even turn it on. You're using it as a coaster. So you're sitting your cold drinks on the iPad. It's seeping into the screen. You're using it to roll up your weed. And so, you know, marijuana is getting stuck all on the side. You're using it to sit your books on. And so the screen's getting cracked. You're misusing it because you have no idea that this is actually an electronic. It turns on and there are so many things on the inside of it. And that's how we are as people. When we don't know the purpose of something, then we are liable to abuse it and misuse it. If you don't know the purpose of yourself as a woman, then you are liable to misuse and abuse yourself. And the only way you find out your purpose is through God. So what is a woman's place? Is her place in the kitchen? Is her place to be having kids? Is her place to be laying on the bed? What is a woman's place? Is it in the home, in business, in education, in government? A woman's place before all else is in God. That's where your place is. It's the way, it's in the way he created her, in the tremendous value he gives her, and in the, sorry, let's start that sentence over. It's in the way he created her, in the tremendous value he gives her, and in the purposes he has for her. So my love, that's where your place is, in God. And we're going to discuss how that works 
and I'm excited to get into this. I'm excited for this book and I'm thankful that you took the time to listen. But I do want you to think about yourself as a woman this week. How have you just blossomed in your womanhood? What, what started it? What shaped it? Growing up, my mom put us in Girl Scouts and was very big, again, on girl power. So we had to learn about strength and being a girl, which helped to shape my perception of what it was. It doesn't nearly come close to what I discovered on my own, but it was a good starting point. But there was a lot to learn and I had to do that the hard way. (laughs) So I hope that you don't have to. And I pray that the Lord will touch you and he will show you why he created you and what he created you to do on this earth. I thank you all. I love you so much. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that every single woman who's listening to this content will be touched by your presence and by your power and that her mind will be opened up, Lord, for you to show her the purpose that you created her for. Because you said in your scriptures that many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And we pray, Father, that your purpose will prevail in each and every one of us today. In Jesus' name, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this, my love. And I hope that I see you for the next episode. Remember that in all things you do, make a feminine impression. Bye-bye.